0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind group, where you'll find the support accountability and mentorship you need to achieve your goals join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life and i'm excited to introduce our guest out of nashville tennessee award-winning author spiritual teacher and director at the center for cynosomatic development author of the book awaken to your true self it's a pleasure to have andrew daniel on the
1: podcast andrew thank you for hopping on Thank you for having me, Ted. I, I want to just bring that around with me everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll hit record and
0: then give you the microphone so you can kind of keep it in your pocket. But uh, I, I appreciate you taking the time. And you're out of Nashville, Tennessee, and we have we have listeners in Tennessee. We have listeners all over the country and around the world. And, and I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience in your own words. So I, I'll love to give you the microphone, give you the podcast. The stage is yours. You can address the audience directly. Tell them a little bit who you are, and uh, then we can hop into the conversation right after
1: that yeah so uh, hi I'm Andrew Daniel I'm an award I'm just kidding Um, I I'm here uh, because this this topic itself has been very dear to me Uh, when I was young I struggled a lot with uh, being bullied and teased and not having a lot of friends and my journey to becoming a better man uh, was the foundational impetus of my entrepreneurial and transformational journey. And I started out uh, actually, not many people know this, uh, writing a blog for men. And this blog was about how to be uh, a polymath man. So it was how to be the, the tagline was making the best men better. And Uh, That was many, many years ago, but that's actually where I started to really develop my writing to later uh, have my book. So this is a show, a topic that is very dear to me, and I've dedicated the past 15 years plus of my life to not only becoming the best man that I could be, but also helping uh, others do the same.
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely amazing. I already wrote down a note, making the best men better. And, and for a lot of us, we, we strive for that improvement, right? I mentioned increase our capacity for life so we can show up as our best selves each and every single day. But there's so many of us, Andrew, that walk around with the weight of our past traumas. Yeah. Um, and, and no matter how much we try, we can't let that weight go or we can't kind of plug that hole in the boat that keeps having us take on water and slows us down in our progress. So I guess I'd love to start there, whether it's from your personal experience or or some of the clients that you've worked with. What does that process of addressing and releasing trauma look like for any man that might be listening, anyone who's watching on YouTube, who's trying to just get to that next level, but they seem to have these same setbacks and they get a good trajectory and then they fall off?
1: My approach is very different than almost anything else out there. Um, My approach comes from a world of the body, of the uh, mythological and archetypical patterns that inhibit our body. And so my approach to trauma and to healing and to transformation, uh, because of that, uh, looks, very different. It may sound similar, but it looks very different because one of the things that you said earlier about, I think you said increasing your capacity for life. And one of the biggest realizations that I've had when it comes to trauma and uh, self improvement and transformation is that we get to a certain point and there's not much more that we could add in order to improve. Mm. And the work that I do is based off of subtraction. It's based off of stopping. It's based off of the principle that underneath everything, the traumas, the stories, the distortions, the behaviors, the life circumstances, the patterns, is that there is nothing fundamentally wrong with us, that we are fundamentally enough. Mm -hmm. Now, this comes into play when we're healing and we're trying to become better men because if we approach this work and we continue approaching this work from the place that inherently there's something wrong with us, inherently we're broken, inherently we're unlovable, inherently we need to be fixed, inherently we don't have everything we need. And we spend our whole life trying to get those things, to become those things. Our life does improve. I guarantee it. It does improve. The problem is it never realizes peace. Because even as you improve and get there, it still doesn't change that under. Lining belief that underlining lie and so what I see happening with very successful men and women everybody really is that if they approach their healing of their trauma if they approach their personal development and self-improvement from a place of not being enough and they have to do this stuff in order to fix themselves. They improve, but they never find peace. It never ends. And almost what happens is that it actually validates the lie. Because if you spend 30 years of your life trying to prove yourself and you prove yourself, well guess what that really says? It says that you had really something to prove to begin with. It means that you were not enough. And so my work takes a fundamental, fundamentally different approach. It's not for beginners because this kind of thing wouldn't necessarily make sense to a beginner. But for men who have been doing this for a while, we realize that it's through subtraction. It's through stopping. It's through healing all of the things that we've acquired, all of the things that we've latched on, all of that water, as you said, that has filled the boat of the stuff that isn't true, that doesn't work, that isn't real, despite all of the evidence that we try to prove that it is, and start penetrating that start healing that start letting that go start subtracting that and what happens is rather than adding all of these things to become more and more and more and more and more that take you further and further away from your true self what we do is subtract everything that isn't real and through that subtraction you actually get closer to the truth of who you really are Mm -hmm. And then from that place, the improvement and growth and transformation from that place is peaceful, sustainable, and uh, it's authentic.
0: That's that's amazing because I've mentioned before, you know, you can balance the scale in two ways and everybody thinks work-life balance and all this, you know, add, add, but you can also balance the scale by subtracting it. It's so true because we can live our lives with this makeup to cover the quote unquote blemishes where... You know, we might look beautiful without the makeup, but we add on so much makeup. We don't know what we look like underneath anymore. And I kind of want to maybe talk to some of those people who might get triggered or afraid of that thought process of subtraction. Because if I grew up, thinking I wasn't enough, or maybe I was seeking my father's validation. And because of that, I had to outperform all those around me. Now I'm the CEO of a seven-figure company, and I have investments that are gangbusters and they're, they're doing great. I've locked myself into an identity of CEO investor, and I don't know who I am without that, right? The makeup has become who I am. What would you say to someone who is afraid to let go of these things or for athletes who find themselves outside of their sport and they don't know who they are without it. And that thought process of subtraction almost sounds like death.
1: It is death. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's no way around it. You have to be willing to die. You have to be willing for this mask to die off in order to know who you truly are. Um, so there is going to be fear. It is terrifying. It is incredibly terrifying spending decades, almost your entire life, becoming something that at the bottom was based on a lie, even if you've succeeded at it, especially if you've succeeded at it. I've worked with those people you talk about, and it's harder for those people to let that go than it is the people that were struggling. I hit rock bottom. I was homeless twice. It was easy for me because nothing in my life was working. I had to be dewy. I had to be willing to do whatever it took to break through. And so for those people who are afraid of that. The biggest thing comes down to truth. One of the things I say in my book at the very end is to make truth the most important thing. This comes down to something I think really, really hits at the core of a lot of men and masculinity, principles, right? What we stand for. And I think men standing for the right thing is just like the best fucking power in the world to do good, to do right, to to be of service. Uh, to protect, to serve, all of this stuff. But those values have to be steadfast. You have to actually stand for those things. And so by making truth the most important thing, when you are faced with a mask, when you look in the mirror and you see that the mask that you present into the world doesn't match up with the reality of who you are, it takes tremendous courage to look at that to admit that to face that and so being at the point in your life you have to start telling the truth are you willing to look at this are you willing to change are you willing to give all of that up to actually find love peace fulfillment truth and if you aren't that's fine it's totally fine but you have to tell the truth you have to be honest with who you are and where you're at and if you are ready to do that it's gonna be scary and we all you know your listeners know this already you know courage isn't the absence of fear you know it's having fear and making the choice to do it anyway and so all of my clients have tremendous courage because we do this shadow work we look at these parts of ourselves that many of us spend decades of our life suppressing, not wanting to look at ourselves. We put the makeup on over these things that we don't want to see. And in the work I do with men who are ready to do it, we start taking that makeup off. We start taking the mask off. Because, Ted, one of the things that I discovered, and not many men are super into into relationship with, this but it's still it's still really important thing that we should be is beauty Mm. and so what I see a lot on social media you we've all seen this on social media where uh, you see this beautiful girl beautiful woman and she then puts all these crazy filters on her photos and so she filters it like six times and you're like who is there (laughs) right You, you don't have access to what that person really looks like but to that person, they think that's what beauty is. Yeah. Or else, why would they do it? They think that's going to get them the love, the validation, the approval, the attention, whatever it is. But what really happens in reality is just like the things that we do that take us further from our true self, it takes that person further away from their true beauty. And when you do that, it becomes ugly. And so, Well, by doing the opposite, you start to reveal the truth. You start to reveal what's under those filters, under that makeup, under those masks. And instead of being at war with these blemishes our entire life, trying to fix them, cut them off, change them, improve them, all this stuff. What I invite people to do is to go into them, to start looking at them, to fall into them, to fall in love with them, to let ourselves be annihilated by them, to get into relationship with these shadow aspects, rather than try to cut them out, fix them and get rid of them.
0: Yeah. The uniqueness, the, the blemishes is what makes the beauty, right? Yeah, And that's, man, that's that's so amazing. You, you, you touched on something in the willingness for that mask to die and the willingness to do this work and the courage it takes for your clients and, and for the men to step into that. I, I imagine... And correct me if I'm wrong, it takes maybe relinquishing or even releasing the ego as well. How does ego play into this work when it comes to uh, facing some of these traumas, facing, you mentioned the shadow work that so many people invest so much energy and time in avoiding?
1: Well, I think there are two different kind of ways to approach uh, the word ego. There's the traditional way our society just talks about sort of pride and arrogance, and there's then the spiritual aspect of ego. Uh, wh- which one are we are we gonna talk about? <laughs> Let's go spiritual. Okay. All right, so it's obvious, I think your listeners wouldn't be listening or watching this um, if they weren't willing to look at themselves, if they had so much hubris, arrogance, um, and were full of themselves, to not take a look at themselves to improve so i think that one is fairly you know well taken care of the second one is the ego now the ego is the part of ourselves um that you can sort of correlate to the head right to the mind to the ego to the the part of ourselves that has an identity It's the thing that allows us to be a separate individual little thing moving through the world rather than being one everything. Think of the difference between a raindrop in the ocean, right? So the ego is kind of that container that lets a raindrop think it's just a raindrop, not a part of the entire system. And so when it comes to this work, what the ego does is it's number one job for you is that survival and separation. And so as we start healing, what we do is we start feeling. You can't heal if you don't feel. And so what happens is that a lot of these traumas, a lot of these stories, a lot of the things that have happened to us uh, are based in emotion. There's some sort of emotion underneath everything. And the way to heal it and to penetrate that is to go into the story and actually feel the stuff now the ego is going to come up and say ring ring ring, right it's gonna say red alert no 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 this feels terrible this is bad this is gonna hurt you and then the control come wants to come in and so the ego is gonna offer safety in exchange for control right the ego will say you let me control more and you'll be safer uh, every single instance of that that I've seen in the long term has only created suffering because there's only so much you can control uh, there is only so much you can control in yourself in others and in the world and so the safety that the ego creates uh, or <laughs> um, uh, the illusion perhaps the, the, yeah the illusion of safety is exactly that illusion it's not real safety safety based in control you can you can never relax well okay well if you can never surrender and relax well if you re- surrender and relax then you're not going to feel safe and so that tells us that it's not based in real safety and so as as men start doing this work all of the times that they feel a threat to their life, to their identity, to their accomplishments, to who they've made themselves to be in the world, to their persona, the image they've created for themselves, for their father, for their mother, for their community, for their wife, for their clients, for their employees. That becomes under threat. And so that's when the egos will want to get defensive, it's gonna say, no, 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 no. The justifications, defensiveness, weasel language, the ego is designed to avoid all of that stuff. And so part of the work is recognizing that and making new choices and saying, no, I'm gonna go into feeling, I'm gonna have the courage and the willingness to surrender the control and to go uh, rather than from uh, a head down micromanaging, I'm going to drop into my body and feel and let the truth and feeling uh, and connection with myself in the space be the thing that I find my safety in.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's amazing because the ego is probably just preserving that as much as possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and we, we want that safety. We want to hold on to that. Um, you, you mentioned earlier on, and I want to sit here for, for a moment in terms of uh, shadow work. Um, and that might be a new term for some of our listeners, and I'd love to kind of dig deeper into exactly what that is and what it looks like. So expand a little bit on, on shadow work and the value that it could provide for for some of us who might be avoiding some of our past traumas.
1: Well, the shadow is the part of ourself that we wish didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right, The shadow is the part of ourself that we want to get rid of, that we judge, that we think is bad, wrong, that we shouldn't be, uh, that's potentially evil and dark and treacherous. It's the part of ourself that can kill, rape, abuse, destroy, annihilate, hurt. It's the part of us that has the shame, the guilt, the sadness, the loneliness, all of the rejection, the patheticness. Right? It's that part of our psyche of ourself that we throw all of that stuff into and spend so much of our life Either avoiding or trying to fix heal clear and get rid of So that's the shadow now In my work as I said, it's a little bit different Because that's not only what the shadow is Because if you have all of these bad parts of yourself and you try to get rid of them the problem is they're you they're a part of you and you do this long enough you come to find out you really can't get rid of you yeah <laughs> and so what happens you become at war with yourself or you compartmentalize and dissociate from these aspects of yourself and so a really good let's make it practical Right? So if you dissociate from your killer you also dissociate and lose access from the resources of your protector, your hunter, your warrior. And then so it's the men that go spineless and so they're unwilling to hurt or cause harm and so they lose access to also the resources to protect and stand up for themselves and the people they love. So this is another element of the shadow that a lot of people miss is that everything that we have, I don't want to say that, not everything, many of these things, most of these things are dualistic. They're polarized, the light, the dark, the masculine, the feminine, the up, the down, the north, the south, the love, the hate, the beauty, the ugliness, the cowardice, the courage, et cetera. And the problem occurs with regards to our own strength and resources when we are rejecting these parts of ourselves when we dissociate from them so part of the work is to not only become aware of the shadow to start facing it I mean that's the well that's that's number one you just have awareness you become aware of all of these things you start taking that makeup off say, Oh, there's a blemish here. Oh my God. I'm so ugly. I hate this part about myself. Get it off. All right. So you see that. Well, great. That's the first start. The next part is is to tell the truth. Okay. Well, what is this really? Okay. Well, this is it. And then you look at the stories. What's the stories around it? What are you making it mean? Oh, well, I have this blemish. It means I'm ugly. I'm unworthy. I'm unlovable. Okay, well, that's a lot wrapped up in a pimple, <laughs> um, metaphorically or literally. And so there's this entire process of become aware of this stuff, of facing these things. Instead of avoiding them, you look at them. You confront them because you've created them. It's a part of yourself. And whatever you avoid runs you. Think about this. If if you this is here and you're avoiding it, what direction are you going to go in? this one exactly and so you're literally even though you're not into it you're going opposite of this you're going away from it so it's directing your life the avoidance of this is directing your life that way versus if you stop avoiding it you go into it penetrate it. it's no longer there what direction can you go in anywhere you want any any, any way you want. And so you see at the basis of this, so much of this fundamental avoidance from our childhood is directing our life. I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to um, be as pathetic as as my siblings. I don't want to do the X. I don't want this. Well, it directs your life. Now that can still be very helpful. It's not to knock that if all of that stuff is terrible, awful, abusive, and hateful, and you go in the other direction, and you become a wonderful, loving, helpful person, that's amazing. That's great. So it's not to knock that. However, it's still to understand that that has been the driving force that is directing your life. Mm. So once we're aware that the things that we avoid run us, And those things that we avoid, we don't have access to the resources. We look at the shadow. We say, all right, I'm avoiding the killer. I'm avoiding this ugliness. I'm avoiding whatever it is. There's something in there that's actually amazing. There's there's something in there about me that is useful, that is lovable. And then that's the point at the shadow work where things get really crazy (laughs) is that we start to recognize that there's things in the shadow that are some of the best parts of ourselves. It's just our ego has made judgments. Our ego has misinterpreted and distorted and thrown it in the trash bin and said, this is terrible. This is good. This is ugly. And at the deepest, darkest depths of the shadow work, you start to find out, oh my God, that's not what I thought it was. All this judgment, all this pain, all this avoidance, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that begins an incredible integration and growth and healing. Yeah,
0: the beauty of the duality. And it, it makes me think of Kobe with his Mamba mentality where he would get into the zone and the basketball court and become – the black Mamba. And it was the nickname for his alter ego, where he would just be ruthless and, and go after it. But he used that to, to channel it and win games with, it was the embracement of that dark side. And and when you talk about the avoidance and how that runs us, it reminds me of the story of the, of the Buffalo and the cows. When the storms come over the Rockies in the West, how the cows, they run in the opposite direction. They run as far as they can East. And then the storm rolls over, and then the the severity of the storm will still kill a number of the cows. But the buffalo, when the storms roll over the Rockies, they turn west, and they run into the storm. And it still kills a few buffalo, but far less because the buffalo, in essence, they minimize the impact of the storm and the length of the storm by running
1: through it, into it. and That's amazing. I've (laughs) never heard that. Hey. It's, that's it's amazing. Yours. That's that's exactly it. Oh, I'm gonna use it. <laughs> but that's and the, I will give you credit. Yes.
0: Oh, well, I know it's a, it's a story out there in terms of how the buffalos act. So I'm just oh, okay. the, I'm just the messenger on that. But <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, it's very much how so many of us can benefit by leaning into the storm and, and pushing in and, and it reminds me of wow. how a lot of people are so wrapped into being a victim. Right. Oh. It's, it's easier to be the victim than the victor, but the victor can provide so much more value and so much more fulfillment. Um, I guess touch really quick on that mindset of, you know, what's so alluring about the victim mindset, that victim mentality that so much of ourselves find our, find ourselves into in the story that we tell.
1: Yeah. This victim mentality is rampant in our culture. Um, I will eventually have a book just on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about it in my current book, uh, which led me to have more ideas for a future book, because this is, it, it is insidious. It is vile. It's, it's, it's vile because it's being enabled. And it's not only being enabled, it's being pushed. You know, it, here in the West, there's a lot of governments, a lot of media that pushes a victim narrative uh, and it is incredibly disempowering. there's so many young men and women uh but so many so many of us are being told it's not our fault, and there's nothing we can do about it and For me, this is one of the most important things in my transformation this This hits really close to me because I spent most of my life as a victim. Mm in this victim mentality. And I remember 21 years old when I realized this, and I realized that I was at the effect of my life. I was at the effect and the entire world and everyone else was the cause. Life happened to me. And I said, well, yeah, that's how life is, right? (laughs) And, and, Then I learned, wait a minute, what about the opposite? Wait a minute. What if I was the cause to life? And that one realization, okay, Ted, 21 years old, never thought of that. I thought life happens to us. You just deal with it as it comes. Uh, You use the, the cards you were dealt in life. We hear all of these things. And I remember the moment I realized, I said, oh my God, I've spent my whole life as a victim. I'm blaming everyone else. I blame the bullies. I blame my parents. I blamed all of this. And I've been getting off on it. I've been getting pity. I've been getting attention. I've, I've been feeling sorry for myself. I've been not having to show up as fully and big as I could. And so that's why this is really important to me because this is this has been a huge turning point in my own life and without that piece nothing else could have happened because that piece gave me empowerment that's the thing that said you can do something about this it's up to you right that phrase if it's meant to if if it's meant to be it's up to me if it's going to be it's up to me something like this if it's to be it's up to me i'll i'll get there it's one of them um but it's the same idea, right? That, okay, why are we just waiting? Why are we at the effect? What if we are the cause? So you ask, why is this so alluring? What is going on here? Well, the thing with the victim mentality is that it allows us to advocate responsibility. It allows us to say it's up to them. So we do not have to do anything about it. The second thing is that with that responsibility, We don't have to be accountable. We're not accountable for a life. We don't have to take responsibility and say, oh, that was me. I have to accept the consequences of that. And so there's twofold. One is that, all right, well, the victim doesn't have to take any responsibility. Okay, great. They just blame everyone else and everyone else, you know, fixes the problems. Well, but the thing is, too, is that um, when they do accomplish something or something good happens, Uh, it's also not them either. Oh, that was God. That was the lottery. Oh, uh, that wasn't me. So they, they don't get the fulfillment, uh, from their own accomplishments either. Oh, it was luck, right? Luck. Like if you're going to be a victim to luck, good luck. (laughs) And so, so that's an element too. Uh, and the, the third is really, um, having to, having to uh, take uh, what is it? Uh, not catalog, but having to take. Oh gosh, what's the word? Audit. Account. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To to take account. To take. Uh, oh, in debt. To oh gosh, man, it's the word. It's right there. Um, inventory. Yeah. To take inventory of their life, and say, oh my gosh. All right. Well, if everything was, and it's not to say that. We're creating everything in the world. Like me sitting here isn't creating a, a hurricane and killing a million people over there. But what I am saying is that e- either the choices you've made created the experience, or you made a choice to respond and react to the experience in a certain way. And that's where we have our power, that's where we have our control. And the victim doesn't want to do that. They don't want to go through their life and say, oh my gosh, if. This is true here. Then it, it's going to invalidate all of their stories. It's going to validate all of their suffering and their stories that they've been telling themselves why they couldn't have what they want. So these are a few reasons uh, why uh, that that victim mentality is so alluring.
0: Yeah, and folks find themselves trapped in it, and, and, and it's hard to get out. And, and you referenced your story a little bit, and I want to kind of get a little bit of a glimpse into you know some of the insights and revelations you found firsthand coded a particle in physics engine at 18 <laughs> by top 1 uh, fortune 100 companies over 7 years uh, for your software business but i, I imagine and you mentioned being 21 and having that realization i imagine in the course of those 7 years a- and through the success through the growth there must have been some trials along the way there must have been some successes what would you say was some of the biggest lessons and that, that you've learned, the biggest setbacks and the lessons that you've learned from those setbacks?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, a lot of my setbacks were when I was young. Like I told you, I was bullied and teased. I had warts on my fingers when I was six. So that set my entire elementary, you know, K, well, first through 12th grade. I didn't have a lot of friends. I sat alone at lunch. Um, the Jocks made fun of me. I was picked last in gym class, people threw food at me, tripped me in the hall, uh, not invited to parties, all of this stuff, um, rejected by girls. So I really was 16, 17 years old and contemplating suicide and revenge and going to the school and doing very, 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 very bad things uh, because I was in so much pain. So that was really my core Kind of like my origin story uh could have been my my villain origin story uh but it ended up not it ended up being i would hope a little bit more heroic um or at least healing helpful positive Um, so that's really really kind of in a nutshell how i got into any of this stuff and so as you said at 18 years old i i wrote a special special effects program with, with all of that stuff and the, the reason I, I got there was because I didn't have many friends and so I was on the computer a lot from about 14 years old to 18 and I was learning web design programming computers all of this stuff it was great because computers don't make fun of you yeah and so it was a great place to hide out um, but I learned a lot and it was very helpful and I'm so grateful because it it really put me ahead in life so I started that software company at 18 it was my only, and not my only, but my first experience in entrepreneurship, I've pretty much been in entrepreneurship ever since. Uh, but I had no idea what it was when I started. My There was no entrepreneurs in my family, it was all blue collar, lower middle class at working. Um, so I had to figure this all out myself. I was So I was self-taught all of this stuff. I read books. I took court. There wasn't a lot of courses. This was 2005. Um, there was a lot less on the internet that there is now. There was no make money from your laptop in five days. Um, I actually had to create real value. I actually had to build something and sell it. And so that put me onto this entrepreneurial journey. Well with that also brought in all my personal problems, my relationship problems, my money problems and I would say that my relationships and money uh, created some of the biggest setbacks uh, in my adult life. Uh, After I had that software company I started uh, teaching around uh, sexuality and relationships. And I got published by a, a massive publisher online and I was like oh my god I did it like I made it. And then three months later I was homeless. And I was homeless again uh, a couple years after that. And so it was very, very disorienting because during that time of having a business, I was learning self-help. I was doing healing work. I was doing alternative medicine. I was cleansing. I was getting healthy. I was learning about, uh, abundance, I was learning about spirituality, I was reading the books, I was <laughs> doing all the stuff. And the the biggest setbacks in that were, Oh, my gosh, what is going on here? How, how come I've learned all this stuff? And I've had all the success. And yet now I'm less functional in the world, like I can't even pay rent, I can't even pay $600 a month for a room. And so I was living in my car for months and months and months. And it was very confusing. It it was one of the biggest setbacks and also uh, biggest turning points of my life because I just didn't get it. I was like, I know all this stuff in my head. I think I'm doing all the right stuff, but I'm getting none of the right results. What is going on? And from that failure, from that setback, from that challenge, it brought me into the work that I'm doing now. This is somatic work, the embodiment work where I realized, Oh, it's not enough to have it up here. It has to be in here. Oh my gosh, the body. Oh my gosh, there's all this stuff here in my body, who I think I'm being the image that I have of myself in the world does not match this video I have of myself where I'm doing all this narcissistic, passive aggressive, insecure, uh, shameful things. And so throughout that entire journey of learning about wealth and running a business and healing stuff around scarcity, right, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, all these money's evil, all this stuff, healing that, and then relationships uh, with with women. And so I've, I've been through a lot of stuff, but I think that those are some of the, the biggest things for me that have been the, the failures, setbacks, and catalysts for my uh, transformation.
0: And, and it's an amazing art to, to get to where you are now and helping so many people uh, because, uh, you know, I've mentioned sometimes the best person to help you through the storm is someone who's been through it themselves and yeah. they're, they're not afraid to get wet. They'll come back in the storm with you and say, Hey, I've been here before. <laughs> This is, this is how we get out. And uh, really quick, while we have a few minutes left, I wanted to touch on, you mentioned doing the Cinesomatic work. And for a lot of our audience, that might be a new term to them. What exactly is Cinesomatics and, and how does that work?
1: Yeah, so Cinesomatics is a, you could call it just a holistic transformational modality approach. And the, the word Cinesomatics uh, comes from Cina, which comes from cinema with video and somatics of the body so what we do in cinema somatics is rather than just talk about our problems like you would with a coach or therapist what we do is we get you to stand up we get you to move in your body and then we film that movement on video the cinema part and then we play that video replay back and during that playback process I'm giving you feedback. And so what happens is you're seeing yourself doing these movements. And then I'm going into a feeling place, a symbolic place rather than a heady intellectual body language place with a checklist. I'm going into this intuitive feeling place and I'm reflecting back to you the subconscious stories, mythologies, the archetypes the blind spots, the worldviews, the blocks, the patterns, the behaviors. I'm revealing how you move through your life through the way you move in your body. And then you get to get all of that feedback and see it for yourself on video. So it's not just listening to some expert or teacher or guru and you just have to blindly trust them. You get to verify, you get the evidence right in front of you. And so it's very confronting, but it's also incredibly advanced and and powerful.
0: I so that's the
1: that. somatics in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that. And and I want to touch on on your book, the uh, Awaken to Your True Self, uh, in terms of what the readers can get from it and how this can help them break through the stagnation that so many of us find in our self-development, the the recurring setbacks that we find through the process in our self-development journey. Um Give us an insight on on what readers can obtain from, from going through this book and getting more of your work.
1: What you said about, you know, suggesting people that have gone through the storm to help you through that, that's what this book is. And so I wrote this book because I've read and I see so many self-help books out there that um are are fluffy they're shallow there's not a lot of depth there's like two ideas in it and then they get a publishing deal and then they have to make a 200 page book around two ideas Um, or they're poorly written or there's not much depth to it or it's very superficial so i've been in this industry since i was 18 years old uh, as a consumer reading this stuff seeing this stuff and out of like a hundred books, you get maybe five that are really like, oh yeah, this is good. And so that was one of the things that bothered me because also being behind the scenes now, there's a lot of incongruencies. There's a lot of just people saying the same stuff over and over again. So I wanted to create something that wasn't just a lead magnet for my business, that wasn't just a glorified business card that wasn't shallow, that wasn't just uh, uh, a tidbit. And then if you want the rest, you need to pay $500,000 to get one secret. I I wanted a book like this. This is the book that I could literally hand to you and say, I can guarantee that any reason you are stuck in the way out is found in this book. And so I wrote this specifically for people who are like myself, who have already done a lot of work. They've done healing, or they've done plant medicines, or they've done uh, seminars, or they've read the books. You know, They've been doing this for a while, and they know the stuff, and yet, for some reason, they're still stuck, or they've hit a plateau that they can never, come ac- never cross, or they end up repeating the same cycle, maybe in a different way. So this, per, this book is for that person specifically. It'll help anybody really who's ready, but it's for that person. And the things that I put in here are things for that. So I go into the victim mentality. I go into stories and mythologies. I go into uh, getting out of our head and into our body. I go into ego. I go into the spiritual path and how that might be failing you. I go into narcissism and our narcissistic image and our mask. Uh, I go into, oh gosh, I go into reverse wiring. And that's only something that you can find through the body. How, if you think you're doing something in your life, right? You, you think you're doing it right, but you keep getting the results that don't match it. There could be something called reverse wiring going on there. Uh, I go into polarity. I go into a lot of stuff. It is a deep and a wide book. It's 432 pages. It's a 13 and a half hour audiobook. It is all in there. Anything that I could write and put into a book I put in there to help you awaken to your true self, to help you really break through this stuff and get unstuck. And it's changed tens of thousands of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So if any of that sounds good to you, if you've liked anything that we've talked about here today, um, there's something in this book for you.
0: I love that. It's amazing. And, and I'd love our audience to, to, to know the links, not only to get the book the, for themselves, but where can they follow more of your work, Andrew, and even reach out to you if you can maybe help them directly in their lives with their specific problems. I'd love for them to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, AndrewDaniel.org. So andrewdaniel.org, you can get my book from there. You can send me a a message, my form. You can learn about Cinesomatics. There's a whole other website, Cinesomatics.org that tells you about the whole process. Um, and if I have availability, uh, there's, there's openings for doing assessments where you actually start to, uh, see your shadow for yourself. I love
0: that. And I'll have those links in the show notes for folks to connect with you. And really quick, while we have a quick second, my last question that I always ask, it's usually the deepest one, and it might be something that we covered already, but what is something that you've seen or or something that's happened to you that, that shapes the way you view the world as a man?
1: Well, yeah, everything I really talked about. Um, yeah, as a man. Yeah, well, this this work has been incredibly powerful because one of the things that we can do with synosomatics is look at yin and yang in somebody, in their body. And yin and yang, I mean the masculine and feminine. So we can actually see how somebody's relating to their own masculine and feminine and the masculine uh, and the men and women in their life. And so by seeing this, by becoming aware that all of this stuff even exists, that there is a shadow, that we have these stories, there's archetypes that move through us, that familial trauma and mythologies get passed down to us and they run us and we don't even know it, that all of this even exists. And it shows up in the body has probably been the biggest transformation in the way that I see the world. Uh, It. It has been such a blessing, absolutely, because there's a lot going on in this world uh, that is crazy right now. There's some insanity, uh, and it it is very confusing and disoriented and not helpful for a lot of men out there. And so by seeing this stuff, seeing what actually works, not what the media or social media is telling you is what a man is and how you should feel about your masculinity, But actually seeing these things in real men and women and experiencing them myself and seeing what actually works in real life and what's aligned to the highest principles and virtues and values has saved my life. It's allowed me to navigate this insane cultural storm right now and help a lot of other men do the same.
0: I love it. And I appreciate you doing the work and helping others as well award-winning author, spiritual teacher, and director at the Center for uh, (laughs) Cinematic Development. Andrew Daniel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been immensely valuable to have you on.
1: Thanks, Ted. I appreciate you having me.
0: Absolutely. And if you don't mind, really quick, I'm going to do a quick recap of some of the the tips that you left along the way, because I know a lot of folks are doing other things while listening. And it started with when you said making the best men better. So many of us can elevate ourselves just a little bit more. We can become better. Right. But the, the the best thing you mentioned was balancing through subtraction. Sometimes we pile so much on that we continue to chase this persona, this identity where we never truly find peace. And in order to get to that level, sometimes we have to embrace death. The old you has to die in order for the new you to live. And you have to be willing to take the courage and make that jump and also make truth the most important thing. Filters take away our true beauty. So many filters on top. We put all of these additions on. We don't recognize who we truly are and we don't embrace those blemishes or do the shadow work to really lean in to some of those things that we might judge or society might tell us is bad. By embracing that, we do that work and we can learn how to grow. And what we avoid is what's running us. And of course, what is the cause to life? Are you the cause to life? Are you the victim or the victor? And of course, who you are needs to resonate, not just in the mind, but through the body as well. Embrace the yin and the yang, the feminine, the masculine, the up, the down, the left, the right, the good, the bad, the beauty, and the ugly. To become your full beautiful self. Andrew, Daniel, thank you so much to the audience. Thank you for making it to the end. We appreciate you. And as always, share this with a friend if you got value from it. Hit that like button, subscribe, and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We really do appreciate it. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.
1: and have some good day. I think we're going to do a great job.